Welcome to High Energy Health, where together we explore the leading edge of wellness and happiness. I'm your host, Dawson Church. By choosing this time together, you're declaring your commitment to a positive mindset, elevated emotions, and a great life. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. I 
go and dunk basketball, I'll be able to dunk maybe 7 out of 10. That's my set point. I'd love to be a 10 out of 10. I can work to raise my set point, and I can change my set point. Even our neurotransmitters like dopamine, GABA, serotonin, acetylcholine, norepinephrine, all of those kinds of internal biological substances are ones for which we have set points. You will find, you'll find that you have certain set points as well. As you shift those set points, then over time you're able to change your default settings. If you shift your set points to cortisol, for example, to lower it, then after a while of practicing that cortisol lowering new state you've learned, you reset your set point for that lower level of cortisol. You now reset your set point and your cortisol is at that lower set point permanently. Unless something happens to shift it, that you then practice for a while. So that is how transient states, transient states that we induce through meditation, through tapping, through other skills become traits, traits that we're known for. You, somebody's known as a calm person. Somebody's known in your social circle as a resourceful person, a person you might have around with you in a crisis, a good shoulder to cry on. Whatever those traits might be, those are traits developed as a result of long-term behavior. And long-term behavior turns those transient states, like that feeling of feeling good during meditation, feeling good off tapping, that turns those transient states into traits. And those traits become part of our neural network, they become part of our internal wiring, our brains reshape themselves around those behaviors, and our neurotransmitters and hormones adjust as a result. So it's so exciting that we can choose our level of happiness, and then as we choose it over, and over and over again, those transient states become our permanent character traits, and we change our set points to ones that are much more satisfying to us. We wake up in the morning, and we've been induced that state, that feel-good state of being balanced, of being happy, of being peaceful, content, stable, and creative. That is our new normal, and we seek that. If something happens to disturb our equilibrium, we then shift, and we quickly restore it, because that is that that disturbed equilibrium, that upset is not our known trait, it's not our set point, and we do the take to quickly shift ourselves. So it's powerful to apply these principles. And after a while, like this morning, you walk around and you feel happy and tell people you're happy, and they say, Why? And you say, like I did this morning, what do you reason? <laughs> I just am. So I want that to you. And I encourage you to learn the tools it takes to bring about that state in yourself, to shift your states over and over and over again and cultivate those traits. My guest today is somebody who's been doing this in his own experience for quite a number of years and measuring it as well. I had a long conversation with him yesterday where he was sharing how he's using objective biological measurements, like, for example, reading the EEG signatures of the brain to figure out where he is able to regulate effectively and where he's not, and then change and shift to happy, content, and balanced brain states. His name is Matt Gallant, and you can see a lot about him at his, at his blog, which we'll go to later on, his history and his interests. But Matt is a partner with me in our Energy Psychology Certification Program. That program, by the way, is opening for enrollment soon. We open it briefly every every few months for enrollment. 
for the Hebrew studying team. And the kinds of work being done by the people in that program in terms of healing is truly extraordinary. Matt is the genius who is helping people in that program to market their services effectively. He's created several multi-billion dollar companies. He is attuned to the marketplace, able to use his skills to help assist others and mentor them. And it's the life pattern here we'll go into what he does, how he does it, and also the kinds of brain states and personal shifts is seeking to accomplish personally. Matt, it's wonderful to have you here. Great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. So go ahead and just share a little bit with us about your personal journey, what you said with me earlier about where you come from, where you're going, how you measure it, the changes you see in yourself as you apply these kinds of techniques, and how you can objectively measure the kinds of shifts you seem to bring about in yourself. Yeah, I, I used to be a personal trainer, and I've always been fascinated with objective data, and, and not just data, some people, some people kind of check out mentally when you start getting into numbers, but linking data into real-life experience. So once you have numbers and you can link that to a biological experience or a psychological experience, an emotional experience, then you know what that feels like, and you can kind of let go of the numbers. And I've done that with many things, from nutrition, with ketogenic diets, with exercise, with sleep, you know, I've been able to double and triple my deep sleep, and now I've been doing the same thing with my emotions and my brain. And specifically, I've been doing a lot of neurofeedback, as well as combining that with energy psychology work, and I've experienced some tremendous changes in focus and happiness and feeling less resentment, less charging, less negativity, which obviously has all kinds of positive uh, biological health components. So that's, that's the quick gist, but we can dive into any one of those rabbit holes that you want to. <laughs> well, what I'd like to dive into first is when you first began to do this, when you first put yourself hooked up to an EEG and then began to notice how your inner state, your emotional state, were being graphed by that technology. What do you see? What have you? What have you? What was your initial starting point? Yeah, so I started uh, a couple of years ago, and I was doing energy psychology work before that, but didn't have the tools to, to quantify and accelerate. Because the tools, the, the technologies, are also accelerated. It's not just the measure that you get into that. But I started a couple of years ago, and I, what was fascinating is through the process of doing some of the techniques that we teach in energy psychology, I did a lot of clearing of old trauma. And by clearing the old trauma, what happened is my alpha brain waves, which are associated with feeling more at peace and more relaxed, went up significantly. They doubled in five days or seven days. So by literally just doing a lot of reframing and forgiveness work for seven days while having my brain wired, I was able to double my alpha brain waves. And as a result, my mental energy, my focus, my capacity to do work, my capacity to operate in business and in life, have less arguments with my wife, be happier, all of those things changed after that. So it wasn't just numbers on a screen. There was a long list of benefits that happened after this. And did you learn to induce greater alpha at will? Yes. And 
baseline alpha, even with eyes open, would change significantly. You have permanent, permanent rewiring, permanent changes. But yeah, and then I just recently went back and did another week, and now I'm able to achieve states during meditation and even in the state of your life that I could not achieve before. So much deeper meditation, as I was telling you yesterday, I was never been, I've never been able to do a non-guided meditation for 20 minutes. Typically, I would listen to a guided meditation, but for three out of the last four days, I've been able to meditate on my own with no guided meditation and feel effortless. So that's, that's incredible. Yeah, just, just way more peace, you know, and I think there's two ways we can increase happiness. I always look at, you know, I picture a helium balloon. And the healing balloon wants to naturally go up and up and up. However, if we have rocks that hold it down, uh, it will prevent it from going up. So the two ways we can get happier is to either cut the rocks, which is to eliminate the trauma and we'll reframe them and clear house, which energy psychology is very good with, or just put more healing in the balloon, you know, focus more on happiness and the things that we were talking about earlier. So I've experienced just, again, new levels of natural happiness and natural bliss that I've never experienced before. And I know when you start to have those experiences, they become ones you're really motivated to replicate and then have as your daily baseline. So when you realize those things are possible, you hit them a few times, and then you realize you can abuse them, then I think that produces powerful motivation to make that a habit. Absolutely. So that's where I'm at right now with meditation. I've got some incredible momentum for the next few months. My goal is to just make that a daily part of my, of my life. And so far, it's been effortless. One thing I found with meditation is that, I, for me at least, it's a pendulum. And for a while, I'll be really firing all 12 photos that come to the meditation practice. It'll be really easy. It'll be effortless. I'll slip into that state immediately. When I close my eyes and meditate every morning, and then after about two weeks, the pendulum swings, and I become unfocused. I have a hard time getting into that state, and so uh, for another two weeks or so, there's sort of a biorhythm going on where I feel as though I'm struggling more to be in that state, and then the pendulum shifts. And now, after whatever it is, 45 years of it, I I just know that I'm going to have that shift every two weeks. It's different for every person, it's our individual rhythm. But uh, for me, if I were to take my upswing when it's going beautifully for me and extrapolate that up, I would say, my goodness, I'm just going to be a meditation monster now. It's definitely. And so I'd be elated. But if I were to take my trajectory and plot it downward when I'm in the middle of that struggle for the next two weeks, I'd say, ah, oh, this, this is so hard. I'm getting worse and worse and worse. What is this? I'm sitting every morning. They all the usual things that are getting worse and worse and worse. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to study meditation. So uh, I've learned in my meditation practice that there are those, those swings when you're moving really powerfully into one part of the cycle, and then there's the, the other swing. And I think the real thing that I encourage people to do who are practicing meditation for the first time is be patient with yourself. There are times that are so easy and natural to in that meditative flow. Other times you're really struggling. And the worst thing you can do is quit. If you quit when you feel that way, 
you then won't be habituating yourself to getting back into that rhythm. So when you feel as though you're struggling, when it's not going to happen, it's happening easily, it's not flowing, if you just keep on doing it, then you will reach that tipping point again where it starts to get easier for you. I'm not sure if you had that experience, that experience yourself, but certainly it's true for me for many, many years. Well, what's fascinating is that you look at the neurofeedback specifically because you can achieve states, and this has been measured, so this is not just conjecture or hype, but you can literally achieve in days what can take people decades to achieve because, and here's the metaphor, imagine if I drop you into a city blindfolded and you've never been there before and I would say, okay, I want you to go to this and this street in two hours or I want you to, I'll meet you at this location and you've got no phone, you've got no map, and you have no street name. Very hard to do and when we start meditating without tools like your feedback, that's essentially what's going on because the brain has no way to really sense itself. And I'll give you an example. So when I did your feedback the first time, I went with a friend of mine, and he has been a daily meditator for 13 years. So he went, got his brain wired, and started doing his practice, and his practice was counterproductive. It was suppressing alpha brainwaves. So literally in one hour of having his brain wired, he realized that what he was doing was actually the opposite of what he was trying to achieve. It's like, again, he was like the guy in the city uh, walking the wrong direction for 13 years thinking he was going to his destination. Now, you know, obviously with a lot of time and practice, people can figure it out. However, I'd much prefer having a GPS on my phone that's telling me, yes, you're going towards your destination or you're moving away. And the other thing about neurofeedback, I trained several different types of brainwaves. I did alpha, I did theta, I did delta, I did gamma, and they're very, very different experiences. And last week was my first experience with gamma, and I know I've never experienced that before. And now I, I have that experience, I have that feeling, and I believe that I'll be able to experience that again. So, again, it, it gave you the tools to to taste things and to experience things that maybe would have taken me decades to achieve without the tool. For those who aren't ready to make the plunge into the commitment of, say, taking a course or buying a, an expensive headset and expensive software, what is the simplest way of getting into this? Well, the great news is the software and the hardware there's a huge explosion happening, and I really feel it's just at the very beginning. So I, I predict that the next five to ten years, you'll be able to buy what would have cost tens and tens of thousands of dollars for maybe one or two thousand. It's already come down probably by 70, 80 percent in terms of research grade hardware, and the software is hitting new levels. For example, Gamma was not. We, we did not have the technology to measure gamma brainwaves until a few years ago. So the hardware and the software are getting cheaper and cheaper. Now there is some very inexpensive, good technology from emotive and things like that. My suggestion is always, you know, listen, hire someone. There's a lot of 
Uh, you will see that practitioners go there. A lot of them are, you can hire them hourly through 10 hours and experience it. Again, I used to be a trainer. I can accelerate somebody's progress in the gym multiple times because if they try to figure out on their own, just like the guy who's lost in the street. I mean, I, as a trainer, I would see people in the gym for years and not experience any changes in their body because they were doing ineffective things. So I'm always a believer in higher experts, you know, hire some energy practitioners, hire some advanced meditators, or hire a neural practitioner that can show you the basics and guide you because why not accelerate our progress? To me, that's always a good investment. Yes, because they need to not have to stumble around in, in the dark for a long time. I was really struck when Roland McCready, who's the chief scientist, said to me uh, a few years back that meditators drop out of heart coherence when they start meditation. And uh, we'll talk more about that after the break. You're listening to High Energy Health. I'm your host, Dawson Church. Speaking today with Matt Gallant. And to see more about our energy psychology program, go to the website energypsychology.org. Energypsychology.org. You'll find videos there, and you'll find a lot of information about how to be a healer, how to see what healers do, and what characteristics are of master healers. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after a break. Welcome back to High Energy Health. I'm your host, Dawson Church. My guest today is Matt Gallant. We've been talking about ways of actually measuring what goes on in your brain during meditation using feedback tools. Neurofeedback tools that give you information about your brain state. Just before the break, Matt was talking about a friend of his who, when he finally got hooked up to an EEG machine, even though his friend was a long-time meditator, he discovered very quickly that he was not in the kind of brain state that he wanted to be in, and that trying to do it that way, by trial and error and experimentation, is like the example you gave, and that was a wonderful, a very powerful one, being, being dropped into a dark city at night, blindfolded without any team names, trying to find your way to a, to a rendezvous. And it, it is like that. I know that one of the conversations I had back along the road with Roland McCaney, who's the chief scientist of HeartMath, he told me that meditators, when they hook them up to their HRV equipment, they find that they drop out of heart coherence and meditate. And I thought, no way, it's probably true. So I hooked the meditators up to a heart coherence monitor, and sure enough, they, they'd be in heart coherence, so they would be in this lovely, relaxed state, with their autonomic nervous system balance, then I say to them, okay, now meditate, and all the lights on my control panel would light up red, and they would drop out of heart coherence when they meditate. So they thought they were doing this good thing with the meditation practice, and what they were doing often was they were wasting an hour a day in this non-heart coherent state. So it's liking that trying to do it yourself without that map, without those instructions really often is spectacularly unsuccessful, and is a big reason why so many people drop out of the meditation practices. 
Yeah, because, you know, at the end of the day, we all want to feel better. That's the one thing every human being has in common. They want to feel a little bit better than we do right now. And that's why we do almost everything that we do. And if something doesn't make us feel better, in one shape or form or another, it's very hard to stay motivated to do it. So, yeah, I mean, if you do effective meditation, you will feel, yeah. you'll feel different. You'll feel different things. I'll give you an example. And this was uh, at the very end of my neurofeedback training last week, literally the last 10 minutes. And I, I just put my hands together in a hand clap and, and my heart, I literally felt like my heart kind of like snapped into like a coherent. I experienced, uh, my heart just really glowing and my gamma waves, I looked afterwards, uh, hit the highest ruptures of the week. So that was a really fascinating experience. And now I know that I can correlate again that experience of activating my heart and I know the effect of that. So that, that's the power of it. I mean, you're getting literally hundreds of feedback a second and your brain is learning and learning and learning and it's learning minute by minute, hour by hour, and you can just make so much more progress than you ever could um, otherwise. You know, another metaphor is, you know, when you're driving, you have feedback. You know, you have a line in the middle of the road that is on both sides that let you know if you go too far, you're going to have an accident, you're going to crash. And our bodies, unconsciously, are literally making hundreds of adjustments all the time, every turn, even when you're driving straight, you know, you might be leaning a little to the left, to the right, and but there's lines on the left and on the right side let us know where we want to be, and our nervous system makes these adjustments, again, unconsciously. Neural feedback is very similar. You're just getting those hundreds of adjustments a second, and your brain is learning, learning, learning. So it's a very powerful, very powerful technology. As far as the system goes, what are your favorites? Well, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to be investing in. I'm investing in the Signet system, and uh, it is a it's a medical grade system. That's the system that I played with. Also, uh, Cognionics has a has cracked the code on dry EEG. I mean, I'm sure you're very familiar with <laughs> with most systems. You have to put this pretty sticky glue on your hair to, to get a clear signal. But Cognionics had a major breakthrough, and you can buy again a research grade dry EEG set for around fifteen thousand. That doesn't include the software, which is you know two to four thousand dollars. So yeah, I'll, I'll be spending forty thousand dollars in the next few weeks on equipment just for myself because that's how passionate I am about this. But for most people, I think the emotive headset. And if you go to neuromore.com, it's N-E-U-R-O-M-O-R-E.com. Um, I haven't played Neuromore. I've looked at it. It looks phenomenal. It's very, it's priced very affordably for consumers, and it seems to be the most user-friendly neural feedback software I've ever seen. Um, so I'm very excited to start playing with that too. And I think that they're working on an integration with the Emotion headset, which is around, I believe, twelve hundred dollars for a four or eight channel, which is very, very reasonable. As you know. Yes, and they have uh, a couple of newer models as well that have fewer electrodes that are getting getting good reviews. Also, the one I like, 
that is the mind mirror that is on your radar. Have you heard of that? Nope. Well, it was developed in the 1960s by one of the real, real, real pioneers in biofeedback. His name is Maxwell Cade. He was a British engineer, and his early biofeedback machines were... <laughs> This is going to sound funny now, but I mean, these were state-of-the-art back in 1962, but uh, they were, let's see, light bulbs, so they'd have a row of light bulbs, and the row of light bulbs, the horizontal row of light bulbs, and those were the alpha, in the alpha range, and then below, there's another range of light bulbs, and those were in the theta range, and then another row of light bulbs, those were in the delta range, and then the top, of course, sort of the beta bulb, and so as people's brainwaves changed, they were visualized in this display of light bulbs. That was how how elementary the technology was back then, but he hooked up a great many advanced meditators, advanced swamis, yogis, meditators, went to India a number of times, and began to look for patterns in their brainwaves. And he developed what he called this, this ideal pattern of people who were able to be in a balanced brain state when they were fully conscious, when he called it the awakened mind. Now, there's, I think it's the sixth generation awakened mind hardware it no longer uses light bulbs, and it's, uh, it's a really good piece of hardware and software that has been used by neuroscientists who who are doing remarkable things with it. One of whom, Paul Swingle, a colleague of mine, people walk into his clinic in Canada, and they want to say, well, you know, my son has autism, and he's a symptom, and Paul says to them, oh, no, don't tell me anything, but the, the, the person up to the, the uh, EEG, and then he tells them what is going on with them. He's able to diagnose without any information whatever, about the uh, patient using uh, the quality of the clinical cues that is part of the mind mirror system. Hey, well, we will come, we'll, we'll come back. We'll make sure we share more information with you about how to get involved with this. If you want to find out more about the program Matt and I are offering now, check out our videos at energypsychology.org. That's just energy, the word energy, psychology.org for literally the most cutting-edge training and information in this and a group of three videos. I'm your host, Jordan Church. We'll be right back. After a break. Hello and welcome back to High Energy Health. I'm your host, Jordan Church, and today... I'm speaking with Matt Gallant. You can find out more about the energy psychology work we're doing at the website energypsychology.org. Go to energypsychology.org and you'll see several free videos about the various aspects of what makes a healer, what makes a great coach, and how you can learn more about applying energy psychology in your life. That's all at energypsychology.org. Or Before the break, we were talking about some of the, the technologies used that Matt particularly likes. Also, the one that I've been using recently called the Mind Mirror, and how useful these are in giving you direct feedback about what's going on with you. So you don't have to guess what's happening with you. You actually can get objective biofeedback and see what's going on with your brain when you do various kinds of exercises. Matt, you also mentioned that you've used this for forgiveness. How did that work? Yeah, so just as a bigger picture, and I'll dive into your question. The thing I'm most passionate about is combining energy psychology, which is your master field, 
with you feedback because I think that they, they accelerate each other significantly. And forgiveness is a perfect example of that. So your feedback that I did, and these guys have been doing it for decades, and the most effective thing they found to raise alpha brain waves is to do meditative forgiveness. So most people try to forgive from what I would call an intellectual standpoint. So, you know, it's an intellectual process. Yeah, okay, you know, you got them, you, you know, you took my chicken last, last night and you offended me. And it was, you know, I'll, I'll forgive you for that. And it's an intellectual thing, but the trauma, you know, like Jordan Spencer talked about, that the trauma gets buried in the unconscious memory bank. The thing is, you have to go there, bring up the trauma, experience the trauma again, and then start from there. So what's very interesting is when you bring up the trauma, you feel it in your body, and then your alpha brain waves will, will, will go down, will crash typically. But then when you're down, then you start doing the effective forgiveness work, and you get deep into the nuts and bolts of it. But typically, you, again, you bring up the experience, then you get into the sensation in your body, and then, you know, some effective techniques are, you know, what was the gift of that experience, which helps you get into gratitude and helps bridge the gap from the pain into the forgiveness. And one of the things I've learned is effective forgiveness is usually comprised of three elements. One, taking ownership of the experience, self-responsibility. Two, having compassion for the person, or, or for yourself, because I did a lot of forgiveness work for even things that I've done. And third is the understanding. So understanding that that person did the best that they could based on the level of consciousness, or I did the best that I could based on my level of maturity at the time, or things like that. So those four things, the gift and the responsibility, compassion and understanding. And then you can do things like hugging the person in your mind. And until you feel the change in your heart, or until you can laugh about the thing, or until you feel no charge anymore, and charge is the key word. You know, if you think of that experience, that trauma, and you still feel something in your chest, or in your gut, or in your throat, or wherever you feel that in your body, then you have not completely forgiven the person. You know, and I have some big traumas that now I can think about and I laugh about them. And I know that that's the, I've achieved effective forgiveness. And what's amazing, as you're doing the forgiveness work, your alpha brainwaves get higher and higher and higher. And, of course, you give you a feedback that accelerates the process, and that's, that's the key. So when you're, as soon as you experience the pain, you don't want to stay there. You want to stay there maybe like two minutes. And then your goal is to flood your brain with alpha. Because as soon as you start generating alpha, you're feeling better, you're rewiring your nervous system, and again, you go through those steps. So they really work hand in hand. And next thing you know, that trauma is no longer there. And of course, the more trauma that you eliminate, the more rocks you're clipping and you're feeling happiness moving higher and higher. Hmm. So when you remember that bad thing has happened, your body will tell you, your body will give you signals as to whether or not you've truly forgiven or not. Correct. Yeah, specifically people, typically people will feel things in a few spots. You know, for me, a lot of times it's my sternum, 
some people it's in their gut, like behind the belly button, some people it's in their throat. Um, and then, you know, like if you ask somebody who's doing EFP, where do you feel things, they can tell you, yeah, it feels like a, a warm, glowing ball in my, in my chest, or it feels like you know, it moved in my back, or it moved in my neck. Uh, so you want to start there, but until you're free of any charge, and charge is a beautiful word because that's how it feels, it's a, it's a charge. Until you can think of that memory and be free of the charge, uh, you're not really achieve complete forgiveness. And what I've realized is that forgiveness is a, it's not a binary thing. It's not like on or off. It's more of a gradient thing. And of course, our goal is to try to take it down to zero. And sometimes people, they might take a trauma down from an 8 to a 5, and they think that they've completed the work. But the problem is, they haven't. It's still there, lodged in their nervous system, lodged in their unconscious memory bank. And then what happens is, in day-to-day life, when similar things are seen or experienced, it will re-trigger all of the unprocessed pain and trauma. You know, when people think about when they get cut off in the streets and they get angry and they lose it, road rage. Was it really that incident that made that person snap, or is it just a combination of hundreds of unprocessed resentments that led to that? So that's that's how I see the process. Yeah, in the EFP trainings, we say the problem is never the problem. That when you explode, that sure that driver cut you off, they were the detonator for the dynamite inside of you and the rest the real problem and so to keep on trying to fix your husband who says this thing to you, fix your wife fix your child, or fix your boss or fix the government or fix whatever it is out there you're in fact short-circuiting your ability to really solve the problem which is the defuse, the dynamite that you have inside of you so that's a very, that physical cue is a very powerful way of um on identifying whether or not you truly have to give Others four steps, they all make sense to me. Most probably is the first one. We come back for the next segment. Let me have you talk more about that first one, and that is taking responsibility for my part in it. And we'll pop a break and come back and talk more about that first step. If we get to your host, Dawson Church, today with Matt Gallant, find out more about our energy psychology program, go to energypsychology.org. EnergyPsychology.org, where you'll find some free videos on the subject and also on the essentials of healing. So, EnergyPsychology.org for more. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after a break. Energy Health. I'm your host, Wilson Church, and I invite you to tune in every week at the same time for more of the insights, the breakthroughs, of the practical tools you find at the show. So make sure you join me every week and learn more about the levers you can have of your own wellness, your own happiness, your own inner peace. My guest today is Matt Gallant, and our energy psychology videos can be seen at the at the website energypsychology.org. So just go to energypsychology.org, go down, make sure you click on it and go there, because at that 
website, you'll find videos on how to, how to apply this in your life. You'll also find hundreds of Facebook comments. I've been actually answering those comments today before the show, and people are just saying amazing things about the insights they gave from those videos. So, go to nhpsychology.org for free videos on how to apply these tools we're talking about today in your own life for your own happiness. But all those four steps in forgiveness you described, the one that I really am not fully understanding is the first one, where you find your own part in it. I know that I can find my own part in most of my adult problems, but when it looks back to childhood, especially childhood people with complex PTSD, people who are abused as children, what we're finding is this produces huge scarring in parts of the brain that for much of psychology actually is thought to be uh, completely impossible to treat or heal. And so when someone is six months old and being abused by a caregiver, when somebody is two years old and being hurt by the person that's supposed to be touching them, that produces a degree of psychological trauma that psychiatrists are actually arguing should be a whole different category called complex PTSD or developmental PTSD that's very, very hard to treat. How can a person who was abused when they were too young to do anything about it, or just defend themselves and get out of the way? How can that person be asked to take responsibility for some part in their experiences? I'll just, tell, I'll just share what worked for me. And so, you know, the 12-step program is an incredible transformation program. I think everybody should do 12 steps, even though they not, might not be have addictive problems, but, you know, the, the fourth step is to be searching and fearless more inventory of ourselves, and there's actually kind of a process, and the fourth, in, in that last column, is what's my part in that? So when I incident that, and there was, a, there was several traumas and things that happened to me that I couldn't find my part, and where I've gone with it is karma, karma, you know, and, you know, if, even if people don't believe in karma or you don't believe in past lives, my, my challenge to that, my challenge to you is this. It is far more empowering to believe in karma than it is to not believe in karma. You know, so all the things that happen to me that I cannot trace back to, to, I can't find my karma, I just go right to karma. You know, on some level, either this life or in past lives, I've done something to warrant that and to re-experience that. You know, a lot of most pray for stress because they want to eliminate that karma from their souls. So that's where I go with it, and it's been incredibly empowering because instead of feeling like a victim, I never feel like a victim. I've never, ever felt like a victim since using this process. Like, everything that happens to me I, I take ownership, I take responsibility, no matter how bad it is. You know, a couple of years ago, I got robbed and shot. I was able to instantly go to forgiveness and karma, and I had no trauma from the experience. I mean, I had some trauma, but not, but just far less bad things that have happened to me as a kid that were lodged deeper in my nervous system and had more consequences. You know, so that. Just believing in karma and just going right to that when you cannot take or find your part of it has been an incredible tool for me. 
Yeah, I mean, what people do this in the course of workshops, of classes, of taking programs on EFE fibromyalgia, and many of the people we find that have developed fibromyalgia were abused with children. And one of the chapters in that, that program is called Forgiving the Unforgivable. What do you do? How do you forgive that which is truly unforgivable such a child abuse? And it's remarkable that people who've gone through that program come to peace with it. Uh, how they do, I just absolutely lose the tears sometimes. I don't know how a person can learn to give that degree of abuse, and they do. And it liberates them because they're no longer carrying that burden around with them. So it's very, very powerful to find some kind of explanatory framework, whether it's karma or whether it's something else that allows you to let go of that, those emotions, because then you liberate your body from carrying that around over time as well. You know, that's how you feel your body when you, you've really forgiven. So, now, when you did really forgive in that, that process, what happened? How did you feel in your body? That's so incredible. You feel, you feel lighter. You feel lighter. You feel happier for no reason. That's the way you started the call. Uh, you know, there's a lot less. The biggest, you know, one of the biggest benefits is, again, you know, when we eliminate those old traumas, when new things happen, they don't charge you or cause you to react the same way. So, you know, in my close relationship, I would say since I've been doing real feedback, the number of disagreements or arguments have been reduced by 80 or 90 percent. That alone is incredible. uh, That alone is incredible just in terms of, of happiness. And even when I do, I'm able to get out of them a lot faster. So, yeah, I mean, bottom line is you're talking more happiness, more bliss. You feel a lot lighter in your body, and uh, it's just phenomenal. You're no longer reenacting all those wounds from your past and your present. Now, thank you so much for those brilliant insights. And again, find out more about our program to see our free videos on energy healing. Go to the website, energypsychology.org. Energypsychology.org, you'll see more about Matt's work and what we're offering and how you can apply these principles yourself. You've been listening to High Energy Health. I'm your host, Wilson Church. Please stay tuned next week for more in this fascinating series on high energy healing.